0: Good evening everybody and welcome back to the final session zero of the upcoming Describe Your Kill podcast where we will be playing the Stolen Fate Adventure Path. If you've not listened to the other three sessions then I highly advise you go back and do those. The first one was with Chris who will be playing Malachi Bordello. The second one was with matty ryan who will be playing aaron spokepoint air in the ashen and most recently was with kimone who is playing wilhelm Krongaard in my best german accent and with me tonight i have the final player the fourth piece of the puzzle is mr jason jones jason good evening ahoy hoy how are Don't you my day. friend yeah, I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? I am doing well. You are the third player to ask me how I am, and it's unusual. It's usually in our games. <laughs> you're just like, right, how are we going to die tonight?
1: I was like, yeah, well, that's because there is no looming threat of you, you know, destroying a character I've worked on for months. So, you
0: know, is, is I'm interested in your well-being tonight. <laughs> this is a safe place, actually. I hadn't thought about it like that. This is a safe place for all the players where they know their death is not imminent. <laughs> At least from dice. I mean, maybe. What was I going to say? <laughs> At least from dice. So <laughs> uh, the na- the name of the the name of the show now takes on a whole different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jason, we've obviously been playing uh, since COVID. You were part of the original team. Indeed. We are, I guess, related somehow, not by blood but you are my brother-in-law's brother so what, what does that yeah, mean
1: Yeah, i mean it's norfolk it's it's a fairly
0: you mm, know the, cousins probably the family tree in norfolk is a shrub
1: isn't it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true yeah i don't know what that would make uh, yeah. you brother uh, brother-in-law removed god only
1: knows uh, i mean there's a
0: there's a As whole podcast say, series norfolk, in so that. we probably are actually brothers <laughs> so it's fine um do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, ttrpgs how long you've played over to you tell us who you are yeah so i am
1: I'm very much a, a card-carrying nerd always have been mm-hmm. um i i've been probably playing rpgs in some description I, I think chris made mention of baldur's gate 2 i think yes that was probably my introduction to rpgs proper i think i spent an awful lot of time uh, awful lot of time throwing myself into that game despite not even really understanding what it was i was playing i think the rule set for that was
0: ad and d if i remember correctly i don't know but i tell you i, I think you are s- uh, how old are you J- uh, jason I'm thirty nine okay. in just over a yeah, month. so we're the same age, basically. I remember yeah. buying Baldur's Gate two, and I actually took it back because I had no fucking clue what was going on. I was like, there was far too much <laughs> to read here. I'd never heard of D anD D, but uh, yeah. when do you think Baldur's Gate two was released originally? Oh, I'm gonna go. Well, Half
1: Life was ninety six, wasn't it? So I reckon ninety seven.
0: Shadows of Am, was that the subtitle of that game? Yeah, that was the one. September 2000. 2000? Jesus Christ, what is time anymore? I know, and here we are in 2023. But one month to the day, I believe, or two weeks to the day of Baldur's Gate three coming out.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's an exciting one. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Is I've tried the sort of the spiritual sequels to to Baldur's Gate. I, I've tried um, the divinities. I've tried those, and I've enjoyed them. But I've never felt like they've grabbed me to the point where I needed to see the end <laughs> of them. And I'm sort of hoping, I, I'm hoping that. Uh, yeah the Baldur's Gate uh Baldur's Gate 3 might be enough to to
0: see me through that maybe it certainly looks good and so that was your starting point of RPGs and then uh, any kind of dice based experience since then um
1: I would say is this this with Pathfinder 2e has been my first regular experience I'd had the odd game here and there I think probably the very first one was a um an uh, basically it was a long-running community game i think it'd been running for i want to say something like nine years wow. like a, a have, um a game called dungeon world okay uh, which is based on the um, powered by the apocalypse system um and that was with a uh, quite a large gaming community um okay all done over forums, and i, I saw,
0: was that like an actual
1: it was it was done over discord um and it was done remotely uh sorry did you pick up that dog bark in the background there
0: oh, i did i thought you were putting sound effects in already so i appreciated it
1: yeah sorry hang <laughs> on i will uh, i will just go and yell at the dog he's never barked during a, during <laughs> I've a never the heard game has a he dog bark <laughs> once. never ever heard the one the one that we're recording is like yeah yeah. know i'm gonna i decide the world needs to hear me now <laughs> what was the question we'll start from
0: scratch with that one uh so boulders gate 2 was your introductions to maybe slightly more hardcore yep uh rpgs what 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 have you played since then he's just fucking walked in the room (laughs) get out oh i'm keeping this in keeping it all in i've been playing pathfinder 2e online with jason for three years and never once has the dog barked or walked into the room <laughs> and tonight you know that bbc interview where the kid comes running in <laughs> and the daddy yes! i half expect you expect you to see your girlfriend run in and <laughs> to drag <the> dog away? <laughs> just try and usher him out yeah okay so have oh, you got any so other than pathfinder 2e which I, I think was the first time playing it was with uh, us yeah had you dungeons and dragons experience um I'd n- I don't think I'd ever played D and D before. I,
1: I've started a game and unfortunately it's it's sort of drifted away a little bit. But I started a game since playing Pathfinder Two, but I don't think I ever. Um, I, don't, I don't think I ever actually played it prior to Two E. So is Two E is the first sort of quote unquote live uh, TTRPG I, I've I've played?
0: Great. Okay. Well, I think a lot of our uh, listeners hopefully. Uh, when they eventually listen will all be 2E fans. We had Kimone on for the last session who was a long-term uh, Pathfinder 1E player and yeah. noting the differences. And actually, I was listening to another podcast today, the guys over at GCP, where uh, Joe finally admitted that he does believe that 2E is the better game now. He's finally come <laughs> round. Yeah, it, 2E is, it, it's a really, really interesting one. Is um, You
1: know, to peek behind the curtain, is is of our games is i i will frequently bemoan to you that as as much as i as i love it and i do genuinely i think it is the the best of the fantasy rpg systems out there right now i think there are others i enjoy more but they are more distinct sort of niche right so more uh, niche D 20 based yeah B&D. yeah so of your standard d20s as i think pathfinder 2e is is by far the best that's not to say that i i don't probably i, I don't i wouldn't say every session i'd say maybe <laughs> once every three or four sessions go on a rant about some aspect of of the game which i which i feel is just mad or bullshit yes or the something. the phrase
0: yeah. pathfinder bill uh, pathfinder bullshit has come up several times
1: we yeah, talked about I, the I
0: deaths last session <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, those, those are. Is I, I think it is a wonderful game, and I do think it. You know, it will it will continue to improve. It is you know, it is very very important to consider that this is only the second edition of it. If, you know, not counting four e, which I think was what Pathfinder one e built. I uh, think spread that's off right, from. yeah. But is not counting that this is only the second edition of the game, and they have you know, bearing in mind the straight strides they've made with like moving to the three action system, which I think is brilliant. Mm. You know, is rather than having to juggle the I've got seventy four bonus actions this turn in five e. Yeah, and then you've got to add your con plus
0: half your strength plus
1: half your modifier. Yeah, I I think it's really, really, you know, it's really, really good. Um, It's really, really good. It's really, really solid. But it has got its flaws. I, I do think there has been. I think it's getting better. But I think in some adventure past, there has been a real over reliance on. Here is one enemy, and basically. Because it's one enemy with three actions fighting, you know, four, five players yeah. with three actions. Yeah. The enemy becomes very, very, A, very, very ridiculously powerful. Yeah. And B, they have to give it like massive to hit bonuses to make it viable. So it's like you are effectively on one side of the equation taking dice rolls out of it altogether, mm. which uh, is, is, is frustrating for the players. At the, you know, at the end of the day, it is it is a game that is played by players to enjoy it. And I think sometimes when, especially when the players are rolling badly, <laughs>
0: it's uh, which... Yeah, it, it's punishing yeah, for it, that. It you, absolutely knows, you feel is. like
1: a, as a player, is like, right, well, I need to roll a let's say a 16 or better just to hit this thing because it's got a high it ac fair. Yeah, it's, yep. so
0: you know if it's three levels higher than you in a severe encounter which if it's four against one it's usually three levels higher yeah. for that so is you you are looking at
1: let's say okay so i as a player have a 25 percent chance to hit this thing before you know but before we take into mm-hmm. account pluses and minuses and things like that against a creature that has hey this creature has got a you know, is because of its to hit. It might
0: only need to roll a natural four, a natural five to hit you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which means a fourteen or fifteen to crit, It's certainly it, on the first hit. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So again, you know, and bearing in mind again, is, is depending on the class you are playing, etc., etc. As a as someone who's played his fair share of squishy characters, and <laughs> God love them, our group, we do love leaving a wizard standing on their own. We really do. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> So you have played. Uh, Jason has played a monk for our Extinction Curse campaign. He has played yes. a cleric of Sarenrae for our Abomination Vaults campaign, mm-hmm. and we are on chapter three of Night of the Grey Death, where you are now up to a level eighteen wizard. Yes, yes, that's and how been... are you finding that. Unlimited spells, <laughs> certainly a
1: lot of spells is um, is tracking as as well because I went for the um, I think it's the Universalist school, which gives basically means you can drain your bonded item once per level, and there's no natural way I think of doing that in Foundry at the moment, which means that oh, I am okay. having to having to keep track of that across multiple sessions because um, I. <laughs> what do you reckon the last the last session we've just run we probably got
0: through about four or five sessions worth of combats since we last had a long rest? or Yeah, s- chapter two was very much, without giving too much away, takes place over a very defined period of time, uh, in-game hours, but without any opportunity for long rests, with several combats and a couple of very juicy combats, all leading up to, yeah, no rest. But I, I personally, as the GM, enjoy it, not just because... Uh, You see the resources running down, but it is rarer, I think, in 2e for a Sorcerer Wizard spellcaster to run out of spells in a day. That's not something we've really encountered before, I would suggest. Uh,
1: Definitely. Well, I I would say certainly at reasonable levels is um, Mm. one of... And to be fair, this is not a Pathfinder criticism. I've yet to find a TTRPG that doesn't make playing a low-level spellcaster one of the most miserable experiences (laughs) in-game. it's you know is if you are playing a level 1 through 3 spellcaster in mm. but I'll use Pathfinder as the example basically most combats for you are right well I'm going to go stand over here and try not to die yeah and then twice per day I can cast magic weapon on the fighter that's sure. That's my game sure. for the first, you know, five or six sessions while we while we bed in. And it's not a Pathfinder specific; it's a, it's a TTRPG thing. It's balance, ultimately, yeah. isn't it? And yes.
0: yeah, I guess there'd be people screaming at the well. What about if you put points in here and points in here? Yeah, that's fine. But there, I think everyone would agree that, excuse me, uh, everyone would agree that the chance of death is actually far higher at level one to two yeah. than it is than it has been at levels 16 to 18 that we've been playing
1: yeah i I think that's probably that's probably fair um is and and for good reason you know is ultimately if you're if you're holding the gun to my head and saying you've got to lose a character i'd rather lose a character i've only played for two three sessions than one i've been building for you know eight nine months or whatever so is it's that, that's and ultimately as well if i'm playing a character that long i've got a much better handle on what they can and can't do you mm. know what level of hits are going to be like oh okay yeah i can't take too many more of those i need to get away whereas again at low levels you have bad luck with a crit against the wrong enemy and you can be one shot
0: yeah exactly so just before we move into the stolen fate stuff uh, i forgot to mention we obviously ran through the entirety of fall of plague stone as well which has been your favorite what what are you what has been your favourite? I, th- I think I, I think Night of the Grey Death has been the one I've enjoyed the
1: most. Um, mm. I, I think as much as any, uh, one, you know, high levels, good. Big numbers. <laughs> but I th- I do think as well is in terms thematically it's been really, really interesting and just high level combat especially playing a wizard gives you so many options. It's, you know, yeah. you can do so much more th- at, at high level than you can at a much, much lower level. So he's looking at you know, is as we joked earlier. You know, level level one, level three spellcaster. Well, I've got two spell slots to last me all day. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, I, I could go in, you know I could go into a combat as my level eighteen wizard and go right. Well, here's here's three level nine spells off the bat, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it gives you the option to Plus more dramatically got- turn the tide of a fight. You know, to use the example, we've had we had one combat against a particularly unpleasant enemy where i was able to land a. I uh i think it, you critically failed with the slow uh, just a fail i uh, it was just the
0: first critically passed the first time and then failed yeah i yeah. Or critically failed i think that's a fail but yeah
1: uh, and you know he's just robbing you of that one action as a wizard being able to do that is just such a game changing it's a fight changing thing you know it's sure. being only being able to cast a spell or move as an enemy that takes yeah. away a huge number of options from you, and I think it, having that, you know, having the ability to, well, I can do that, or I can cast, you know, haste at level seven, which is going to give every one of my team an extra action. It's all, all of those options, you know, is and being able to do that, it, it's fantastic, you know, is, is I think being able being able to do that is, is so much. Better. You need a lot more knowledge of it, you know, as I wouldn't have been able to do that a month into playing for the first time. I think things would have gone very, very not. badly. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, in terms of enjoyment, I think yeah, Night the Great Death has definitely been the one I've, I've had the most fun with.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think I have too. We've had some incredible story beats in our previous campaigns. Mm. And I really look forward to some, in, some more incredible story beats. And I think it's twofold. One is that you as players... And me as GM are far more comfortable with the rules and systems, so we're not spending time looking those up. You're also far more comfortable with just the general feel of the game, so the ability to run a level 18 character is far easier, as you've just said. And um, I think the other part is Foundry has a lot to uh, play a part of that, because we're all far more familiar with that as a system, and it takes so much pressure off, especially me as a GM, but to be able to automate some of these feats which are really quite complicated you know we've joked about it but at level 18 there are serious numbers of dice being rolled (laughs) quite often yeah Yeah. so if you were doing that face to face i'm sure it's fun to get 20 d6 in your hand i'm sure that's really fun to roll it but to then do that count them up add your modifiers etc and foundry just does it all at the click of a button there is yeah. something to be said for that
1: that there yeah there are there absolutely isn't and just as well as you know it's little things as well like you know is suddenly well, hang on why have i got a plus three to that a, oh yeah of course because it's this feat <laughs> you know is yes, because that of you a, might not remember yeah yeah absolutely you know is we had a had a good laugh at um at chris the other week who'd, who'd been playing a, a level 18 cleric and i think had forgotten three
0: different feats well <laughs> it. yeah it- I'm not sure "forgotten" is the right word, but he certainly was less aware of them than the others. So it was nice to remind him. Uh, we love you, Chris. Yeah, we love you. We do
1: love you, Chris. I, I, I jest because I love.
0: And uh, Malachi seems like a cool character, so I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that. And we've got some very very cool character concepts going on here. We have. Well, we've had three. Jason. Now is the yeah. time to unveil the fourth. So much like kimono's. I do know a little bit, but what I do not know is your character's name. So let's get into it. This is Jason's Stolen Fate level 11 character.
1: Yeah, I will be playing for the duration of this campaign, hopefully.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> uh, Lupin Malice. Lupin Malice. Is that M-A-L-L-U-S? uh Just the one L. Just the one L. Lupin Malice. Okay. That's a cool name. I like it. Lupin. Has that got werewolf commentations or is that something else?
1: It um Lupine, I think, does mean uh, Lupine, Wolven. Okay. So yeah, it is is I imagine I think it's because is he is um I, I think when I was originally his, the first draft of Lupin was from Taldor. And I believe mm. a lot of their names are Roman. So he's, I, I sort of went for something with that IN, that sort of, sort of slightly Latin feel to it.
0: Okay, Lupin Malice. And yeah. what ancestry have we got for Lupin? So Lupin is and has definitely always been a half-elf.
1: <laughs>
0: always um, has been. I'll well always has
1: it. been, yeah. Um, a small peek behind the curtain here is um, is when, when we realised, or when we first you know decided we were going to be playing stolen fate is um that the players we went away into our uh, our own little side group and, and worked out between us what we were all going to play mm. and um at no point did any of us have a have a discussion around ancestries because it was you know it wasn't ah, something that, that we happened? particularly yeah it wasn't really we, do, we don't actually I'm you know, not sure if i'm giving away trade secrets here but we we don't really is really we just used it to coordinate what the party makeup in terms of classes was going to be we we've not really done Mm. much talking to each other about the back backgrounds or you know even which and this is probably a strategic mistake but even sort of what skills and things like that we're going to be
0: digging into so it has been that though i i I think story-wise that fits you guys i think we've all agreed that you don't know each other for the start of this campaign uh, so, yeah, and I disapprove of sharing tactics anyway. So, uh, <laughs> okay, so um, we've got Lupin Malice. He is half-elf now. Yes,
1: because um, basically what we hadn't done is discussed ancestries, and we ended up through pure fluke. I think uh, certainly three of the four had ended up going human, mm. and that wasn't through any you know any particular decision. I think of the four in Night of the Grey Death, I think only one is human. That's Matty's yes. character, isn't it? The Baron. Yeah, only one is human. Yeah, and that was the first human character he'd played, so it really was just pure chance. I think that we'd all ended up, all ended up there. So is is I? Uh, and it was only when listening to, uh, I think I listened to both Matty and Chris's ones, and I was like, oh god, two of us are human already, and I'm going to be the <laughs> third. So um, I messaged you frantically last night and uh, and said, uh, yeah, just FYI, Lupin's going to be a half elf now. <laughs> Just to mix things up and to you know bring a little bit of it. There's
0: you know. So here's a question to throw cool. you on the spot, Jason. Mm-hmm. What what difference do you see in the way you might uh, not mechanically, but role playing the differences between the two? Where do you see those differences lie? I got a little bit lucky here. Um,
1: in as far as I'd already you know is when when planning Lupin uh, and sort of working out what, it, what I wanted him to be is is I did want him to be. Um somewhat aloof is probably the wrong word, but he is sometimes he's he's come across he'll come across as arrogant mm. um and a little bit detached. He's he's generally quite a, a sort of good humoured and, and friendly guy. But he Yeah, he's is because of his, his background, and I, we'll cover this in a bit, but he, he's of noble blood. Um is he can come across he can come across as sort of slightly aloof so is thankfully i'd already kind of got him in mind with that and that ties in quite nicely with how half elves seem to be seen across galarian so that's that was quite, ah, quite so fortunate
0: half elves so taking some of that aloofness over say their more pure human uh, counterparts is that yeah yeah absolutely okay so what sort of age are we looking at for lupin
1: so um yeah L- lupin's I-, I would say probably in his his late 40s i think he's going to be fairly comfortably the oldest in this this particular group he's very much babysitting i think here mm. um he's well traveled you know he, he is a um, um again probably jumping ahead slightly here but he is a, a merchant so he's okay. uh he's been doing a lot of traveling so he, he's well traveled and he looks a bit like it as well i would imagine if, if you were to ask a sample of people what age he was he'd probably get a a result he probably wouldn't like (laughs) (laughs) oh that's most
0: of us now jason as we uh, Uh,
1: yeah (laughs) oh it very much is
0: (laughs) yeah okay so he's a merchant i think that's cool i think uh, quite often adventurers and heroes that tends to be their job you kind of don't always get that they've got uh, a profession we've obviously got malachi who is a bard but this guy is a merchant Uh,
1: yeah he's uh, specifically he's a merchant of magical items so he um this is how in in my head he, he's sort of come across the team and it ties into um it ties into something else which will i'm sure we'll cover in a second but mm-hmm. he um travels he, he buys magical items he sells magical items it's also his interest you know he, he's very very into them he, he likes to spend time you know Understanding what makes them tick, experimenting with them. If he had his way, he'd probably just be a collector of magic items. But unfortunately, he's uh, he's not wealthy enough to do that. So he, he has to sort of buy and sell and trade up and down, you know, to, to get his hands on on items he wants. So an inquisitive <laughs> nature.
0: Um. Yes. Yeah. I, I think. Um, yeah. I think that's probably fair. Is that tied with the uh, usually merchants are quite. Or money led. Is is there an element of that, or is there a, is it is there a genuine genuine interest in these items that he's buying and selling? Oh, he's he's definitely very very interested
1: in them. Um, very very interested. In he's he, you know there is he's pragmatic with it. He uh, he understands that if he wants more magical items, he's going to have to pay, find a way of paying for them, and that means you know selling the ones he has, buying new ones at a healthy discount, and selling them at a healthy markup. So it's you know, he's he's not silly with it. If, mm. if he had his way, if money was no object, yeah, sure, he'd just be collecting these things and you know putting them in a vault somewhere. But uh, no, that the reality of it is is that you know he knows he needs to uh, needs to do
0: that. Very cool. So, a question for you then: mm-hmm. He's obviously starting at level eleven, which is yes. a quite renowned character whether or not the general populace would know that Mm -hmm. is that level 11 would you say if you were dishing out rpg points as he's built (laughs) in a more traditional skyrim or whatever is some of that because he's he's put all his points into the trading side of things or as we know there's going to be combat how is (laughs) that kind of manifested in his journey to where he is when we join him i I think when you consider you know galarian is a dangerous environment
1: um you you don't <laughs> yeah, you you, you when don't we last play long. It's really dangerous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, really <laughs> dangerous. Hey, actually, speaking of, you've never killed one of my characters yet, have I not? You've not. I'm the only one you haven't killed yet. No, apart from two Kimono, who's only just started. So, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, is, yeah is in extinction curse the da- brother Davhorn is now the only one of the original four Mm.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, and we won't talk about him, but he has got a whole other story yeah. that's going <laughs> to come up at some point. Okay, so how has he got to level 11? Is this... Re- I'm kind of thinking it, so he's i remember a story when craigslist started there was this guy who started with a pencil and he traded it for a yep. pad of paper and he traded that for a, a book and traded that for a, a car to a house to a do you see what i mean yeah is that kind of his journey or is it a slightly yeah, more Yeah,
1: kind of so um yeah to dig into his background a little bit is um I, I did mention a uh, lupin is of noble blood but he basically uh, not a in in no dramatic sense but he he left home when he was young about 16 mm-hmm. years old decided that he just he, he just didn't want to want to sit sit in you know, sit in nobility it just wasn't for him he wasn't enjoying it he wanted to go and find his own path forge his own path so he's he has come from money but is his collection you know is he, one he has built himself he's um so it's yeah he has very much traded up he started out as a um as a traveling horse salesman at, uh, apprentice he, he just made uh, his okay. way to uh uh made his way to a to a local local trader are you looking for mm-hmm. an apprentice yes i am learned the uh learned the ropes from from this man and then essentially found himself he, he was getting a little bit too good because uh he found himself in absalom one day woke up and the salesman had left him overnight From from that point onwards, he uh, he he sort of built his own built uh, empire. Is very much a a strong word,
0: but uh, certainly built up his own business from from that moment. And we've not talked about class, so that's probably a nice Mm. segue. What class? And I think this is probably for me the most interesting class, just because we've not had one fighter we've not had. But (laughs) what class is Lupin Malice? Uh, lupin is a thaumaturge a thaumaturge yes or a thaumaturge or a thaumaturge have we agreed <laughs> that it's thaumaturge have you- uh, I, I will be
1: calling him a thaumaturge um if if you wish to disagree with me uh, please feel free to email in and care. i will move all of those to an outbox <laughs> that i won't read
0: <laughs> so a thaumaturge Amazing we've never had one of these i was frantically reading through (laughs) the uh, dark archive which i think is where the thaumaturge first appears yep do you want to just give us a kind of brief overview of what that means so we don't need to read word for word but just a quick overview of what a thaumaturge does that maybe another class wouldn't so a thaumaturge is a
1: um what's the best way it's a it's a martial character uh generally it's it's not a it's not a spellcaster by design Um, although it does have access to it, which is something we will cover um, as we go through the levels, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's a martial character that relies on um, basically two main things. Firstly, um, Esoterica. Now, again, without wanting to go too deep into it, Esoterica is is a Thaumaturge's way of uh, weaponizing weaknesses, Mm. So as a, a as a thaumaturge, you can use your big collection of items that you have, and, and these aren't items in the way of like mechanical items in games, like potions and things like that. These are these are very much sort of nod nod, wink wink. You're carrying pouches of you know all this, kind of similar
0: to how a um, a wizard has. Um, spell components spell components thank you or yeah. an alchemist might have crafting bits and pieces maybe or an inventor yeah
1: yeah, yeah th- these aren't sort of big tangible things that i i need to you know buy in it is I, I have access to these things through my my background as it were okay so, but these are these are items that um that Lupin can use in the you know in, in the heat of combat to to identify and and exploit vulnerabilities and that is the name of one of the thaumaturge's key abilities the exploit vulnerability.
0: Okay, cool. And I believe that they uh, use something not too dissimilar from a cleric in uh, they have a cleric would have their holy symbol when they have to do their abilities or a bard has to have their instrument. Is there something similar for the thaumaturge?
1: Yes, so the other big um, the, the other big tool in the thaumaturge's toolkit is their implements.
0: Implements.
1: So, implement. yes. Okay. So is Thaumaturge initially gets access to one, although I believe by the time we'll come into contact with Lupus, he'll have at least two. Mm-hmm. Um, these are items that essentially offer the Thaumaturge some specific powers. So you may have, for example, a amulet that lets you um, use it as a reaction to offer an ally some resistance to the target of your vulnerability kind of similar to how the ranger has hunt prey right you can mark a target as your prey is the thaumaturge can exploit the vulnerability of of an opponent and what you can then do is once that opponent is marked if that opponent wants to attack let's say um malachi is i could then use my reaction with the amulet to say malachi you get resistance whatever to this attack there are other implements that do other things you know some of them are offensive some of them, there are some very cool toys in play which um, which we will cover as we go through the levels but yeah um, Thaumaturge is, is very very interesting it's one that looks terrifying when you first start reading through it <laughs> um, which I'm sure you probably found as well yeah. last night but actually once you break it down and, and Get through that that first sort of paragraph or two of text. It's like, oh no, actually, mechanically, this isn't too bad.
0: Yeah, no, I've had a look at. I think uh, the the biggest issue for us will be the automation of that. I've kind of had a look at mm. Foundry. It's it's not perfect for thaumaturge I know that uh, people are working on it and looking at it. Uh, so there might be a slight more manual amount of work for you to do, just keeping track of things. But <laughs> yeah, we've been playing this three years now. If anyone's capable, it's you. So a thaumaturge very cool. Late 40s, Merchant Thaumaturge. What I want to just kind of ask you about now is the... Where is Lupin in their life at the moment? They're going to receive this card from the Harrow deck. Is Harrowing something he's come across? Is Harrow decks maybe something he's traded? Sort of where where is he at the moment? What sort of path is he on? Lupin, and, and this is a theme... And this is a somewhat personal thing as
1: well, is, is that I myself um very much a polar opposite to uh, i'll use matty as the example here matty loves his law and his mm. backstories and it's it's fantastic it's i love seeing the stuff Matty comes up with me personally i could take it or leave it mm-hmm. i i, I is law and background stuff doesn't do it for for me in terms of building a character Sure, and and I wanted to, as you know, as they always say when creating a character, put a little bit of yourself into that. Lupin is is very much he's he's a living in the moment guy. He, he's he doesn't have he doesn't have a big plan. You know, mm. he doesn't have the master plan. And, and some of that is you know that ties in very well with his career. He's a merchant. You know, he goes where the money is. Is if he you know if he finds himself in possession of an item that is incredibly valuable from in let's say the Moengi Expanse then that's where he's going okay you know is that's where he's going there's so there's no point planning too far ahead because he, he who knows what tomorrow
0: brings so he's quite well traveled very much so okay and uh, i'm guessing then some of the combat stuff will maybe have come from him having to travel all of these lands until you yeah, jump in if you're wrong but he's obviously going to be adept at combat is that tied to that yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Galarian, very dangerous place. You don't last
1: long if you can't defend yourself to, to some degree. Is you know, is he's, he's he's smart enough, you know, he the reason he will you know, presumably be with this party is because you travel with adventurers because they can handle themselves. You know, a group of four is a much
0: less appealing target to bandits than one, you know, forty year old guy on his own. Sure. So, when this card comes into his possession, do you want to tell us what card you are going with? Uh, no, because I can't remember. <laughs>
1: okay, we <relieved laughs> basically, that. Basically, is I I was again because Lupin's role. Basically, I, I have a very valid reason for him to be in possession of any of them, and I think when when we were look when I was looking at the build is none of the cards felt like a really really strong fit for him mm. so as I essentially said to the others is look you guys pick what works for you I will take the one that's left mm. because actually there is a very uh, is I've got a very very easy mechanical reason for Lupin to have this card is I and I can have any of them whereas I know certainly I think definitely matty had a had one that was like no this is a really good fit for yeah. you. Know, it makes no sense for anyone but you to have this
0: yeah and uh 2 too with the, the yeah. rabbit prince which tied to his ability modifiers uh, something just for our listeners the thaumaturge is uh, the implements that we'll get into some of them which we only realized recently are tied to certain decks of the harrow i think usually in a normal non-harrow themed adventure there'd be more flavor But as Harrow becomes more part of Pathfinder 2E and the world, and certainly this adventure path, there's going to be some natural, easy story beats there for as you go and collect these cards in whatever manner, there's definitely some easy story beats there. So I think having one character who's just like, well, this is the one that appeared with me, and I don't know why yet, that's as interesting sometimes as, well, this is why this card came to me. And having a character who maybe doesn't, uh, again, tell me if I'm wrong, but a character who maybe doesn't lean so much into destiny and fate and the belief of that, uh, then he's probably less bothered, but maybe intrigued. Yeah,
1: I, I think that that's definitely those are the stories that I, as Jason, find interesting. He is are the ones where this character isn't the the designated hero. This is just someone who happened to find himself in this scenario and is kind of kind of winging it. You know, he's, I, I, the you know is the the film when you look at action films and games the ones that i enjoy are games like is you know, my favorite game of all time is uncharted 2 okay he's, I absolutely love the game is i just love the way that you never feel like any of this is planned it's always like nathan drake is just he's winging it by the seat of his pants he's reacting to everything that happens and it's that dynamic feel and it's because you never know what's going to happen next and whenever whatever that thing is, you don't, you never know how he's going to handle it. I think those are the interesting, exciting stories for me. So, in some ways, this is his story potentially. Yeah, exactly. You know, is this, you know, his 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 story hasn't happened yet. This mm. is the start of his story. You know, and and whereas with yeah with Kimon's character and, and with Maddie's character, maybe not quite so much with Chris's, but it is what well, they are. Their story is already in motion. You know that mm. that stuff has happened before. You know before the, the the camera pans to us at the you know the very first yes very first scene. You know stuff has happened. Whereas that isn't really the case with Lupin. He's he's mm. just kind of
0: there. Can we ask then? Has Lupin? He's mm-hmm. late forties. Is he married mm-hmm. or has he been married? No, I, I don't think so. Is mainly
1: because again is you know being a a travelling merchant. It's not great for for putting down roots. Mm. You know, is you can't uh, you can't really afford to to settle somewhere yeah. like that. Is especially you know, as if you were going to, I always feel if you if you were going to be you know trying to settle down roots in in the kind of city large enough to you know really make being a magic item trader profitable. So you're looking at your Absaloms, etc. Mm. You're going to be a brave man to do that because there's going to be plenty of competition there, and they're not going to be welcoming to that competition. Mm. So is is I think having that yeah having that wandering nature. Uh, a if fits, fits the character very very well but yeah it just doesn't it's certainly not not uh, conducive to a healthy uh, healthy family or
0: social life no and i think what's going to be interesting is that although all the characters have come from different places with different stories and different motivations there is a purely through chance or fate a group of four characters who in their own way are all wanderers and I think yeah. that's going to be an interesting thing to come out because if you were to apply it to to the real world, in some ways, being a true wanderer for a lot of years, that is quite a tough road to be on. And there will be probably interesting stories, certainly from a character who's a bit older like yours, which we don't need to talk about now. But he's got a he has got a story, even if it's not. The reason for this story—he's been around a long time. He's seen a lot. He's travelled to a lot of places, but to be a true mm. wanderer is not an easy thing to do.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, th- I think with Lupin is—it's probably more sort of, almost anecdotes than stories. I, I think you know is that he's always going to mm. be able to to call back to oh, you remember that time in uh, in. in... Can't think of a place name that isn't Absalom. I keep going (laughs) back to Absalom, Tal'dor. Yeah, yeah, I remember that time in Tal'dor. Yeah, the thing with the, uh, yeah, the thing with the Azkaddi with the mustache. (laughs) Uh,
0: So is this a sneak peek of the voice, Jason, or is that working? um, Well, I've only got two voices anyway, so (laughs) so. German and Matt Berry.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and we've got a German, so you can't do that one anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm fairly sure that would uh, that would get me beaten up by Camo
0: all right so let us dig into the build information now the nitty-gritty if you like Uh, if we can maybe focus on the feats anything that's interesting and then i'd imagine that with the thaumaturge it's going to be a couple of areas where we spend a little bit more time just discussing what so as i've done with the other players we now just a quick recap we've got a late 40s half elf thaumaturge Mm -hmm. who is a wanderer and let's start with the background yeah so um
1: lupin's background is a is a magical merchant as we touched on so Ah. you know it's a very nice very neat fit Mm. um is to uh pull a little bit of the flavour um, from the text directly, is uh, selling magic uh, selling magic items isn't like being an ordinary merchant. The wares you buy and sell are expensive, making each sale rare and lucrative. Mm-hmm. Y- you've developed knowledge of expert handiwork to ensure you don't fall for a scam, since buying a single counterfeit item can lead to bankruptcy. So it's um, it felt a very, obviously, you know, is bearing in mind Lupin's background and where it came from. It's, it's actually, I saw the background and kind of decided, I really like that. Mm. I think it fits the Thaumaturge really, really well. There's, you know, sure. a really, really cool reason for him to have these implements, you know, and, and right, where of where the, you know, this, this amulet that lets you, you know, reduce people's damage. Where would someone have that, you know, other than, you know, being a, a magical trader of items? So I think, yeah, I saw that and thought, right, I can build something
0: around this and with that you get boosts to your abilities but rather than dig into that specifically as a thaumaturge what is your key ability modifier so my key
1: ability modifier as a thaumaturge is charisma charisma <laughs> yeah is interestingly it? enough yeah it's gonna be an interesting one though because um
0: three of the thaumaturges bardi- are a-
1: well, yeah, three, yeah, three of us are charismatic, but um, yeah. So just to go into the sort of slightly mechanical chat behind what what building a Thaumaturge from a player's point of view is is they are very, very what's known as as mad. Now, mad is short for multi ability dependent. Hmm. So, is it's is a, is ostensibly a melee class, and that is the role lupin will broadly be playing within the group because i'm very conscious that we have a bard and a sorcerer <laughs> and I, sure. having played the, the lone martial character in a team full of squishies i know it's not very much fun so it is i, I was very keen to make <laughs> sure that lupin can handle himself in close combat mm. so that means my key ability score is charisma but i've also got to have some constitution because mm. i can't afford to be too squishy if i'm playing in front lines. i've got to have Dexterity for reasonable armor and/or being able to hit something. I've got to have a bit of wisdom, or my will saves are going to be crap. (laughs) (laughs) And I need a little bit of strength if I'm going to be in combat. Yep. So he's suddenly of the you know the six ability scores. Well, I've got to have something in five of them. Mm. (laughs) So it's a very very interesting. It's I've not built something like this before. It's it's probably the closest would have been would have been the. the character I, I play in extinction curse brother davhorn who is a um, who's a monk and uh as, as we touched on is the lone he's basically the the only really out and out martial character in that group. yeah
0: so how uh without maybe too much detail but how if a character is a martial character hmm. how is charisma gonna aid that class or are you suggesting that it's important but it's maybe not as important to say a wizard who needs uh, is wizard the right one or sorcerer uh, sorcerer, sorcerer is charisma charisma yeah so how does that affect him um is the key ability
1: score is charisma and that feeds directly into your thaumaturge class dc
0: okay so rather than the spell casting dc it's a class dc yeah and that will that will become apparent in a uh, sort of as, as we go down the build and how and
1: where that references. But yeah, there are a few key and very cool abilities that rely on your Thaumaturge DC. So I have have very much gone with that as there's the, the top stat, as it were.
0: Okay. All right. So, uh, Magical Merchant, that's going to give you the Crafter's Appraisal skill feat. Mm-hmm. Want to tell us about that?
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, that is a very, very useful very very useful tool is because we don't really have anyone who's particularly intelligence no one I don't believe no one um and I I feel like having someone who can do just the, the very very sort of minimum level of crafting is going to be quite useful within the team okay um In terms of what this particular skill does, um, my knowledge of items' construction skills allows me to discern their magical effects as well. So I can use crafting instead of a skill associated with a magic tradition, i.e. occultism, arcana, etc., etc., to identify an
0: item. uh, Uh, Or identify a magic item, should I say. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. So, that makes sense. All right. All right. Level 1 Thaumaturge, then. Take us through it. What are your choices?
1: Obviously, the... Uh, the, the initial heritage was uh, was Half-Elf. Mm-hmm. So uh, that ga- that very nicely gives me access to all human uh, Ancestry feats. It gives me access to all the Elf Ancestry feats and then also a few nice little sort of Half-Elf ones as well. What I've gone with on this one, uh, I went with Natural Ambition from the Human um, skill feat. One, it's a very useful feat mechanically because it gives you an extra class feat at level mm-hmm. one. Uh, but also it actually... Ties quite nicely with you know, with um, Lupin as well. He is a naturally ambitious character. He's you know he he deliberately gone out there into the world when he couldn't, he didn't need to, mm. he didn't have to you know go out and trade items on the streets of Absalom. He could have just been sitting in Tal'dor, you know, drinking wine. Yeah. So his um it, it sort of tied in very nicely. The class feat I took with that was uh, ammunition thaumaturgy. thaumaturgy. Um, so basically what that allows me to do is um when i'm using a ranged weapon uh, so what i should probably clarify here so that to use a thaumaturge's implements so his amulet or his mirror or his chalice or whatever he's using
0: he's mm. got to have it in his hand right so and this is not your weapon no, this isn't deal your weapon. Damage. This is no. Uh, it's, as I say, is it similar to a cleric needing to hold their holy? Yes, it's, it
1: Essentially, is if yeah, if you imagine that, that's probably the best. Uh, the best, right? Sort of okay. e- um, easy comparison. And your first implement is is the amulet. The amulet. So okay. I've taken
0: the amulet and obviously we'll cover that in a second. And there's um, a choice, sorry Jason, but there's a choice yep. of different amulets. A bit like a sorcerer's a choice of bloodlines, a yep. bit like a ranger as a choice of different ranger types. This is kind of your your chance of choosing what what line you want to go down with the with the Thaumaturge, is that right?
1: Um y- yes and no. Um, because is uh, you will at various opportunity uh, various points during the Thaumaturge um, leveling up process is you will get access to a second and eventually I believe a third implement. As you level so is up. yeah. So is I, I think by the time we hit level eleven, is um, Lupin will have access to two. Mm. But is yeah. In- initially, I've taken the amulet. So what this um, and obviously you need to have the relevant implement in your hand to be able to utilize whatever power it has. So this ammunition thaumaturgy basically allows me to hold a weapon a implement and esoterica so in other words, or sorry, or esoterica so whether that's, you know, whatever item I'm using to exploit a vulnerability or my my, uh, implement and my weapon and also to reload at the same time. So basically I don't need to drop something to be able to reload a bow or a gun or,
0: or whatever. So maybe as we get more into this, what I'm hearing is that Thaumaturge in a combat situation certainly is juggling or needing to be aware of their implement their weapon and the esoterica as these bits of <laughs> stuff that he's got on them and this yep. feat is allowing you to do stuff without having to spend actions to drop things or reload or...
1: Yeah, so it's essentially, it does, a yeah, me- mechanically it's going to allow me to reload a weapon without having to worry too much about juggling what is in my other hand. Uh, I can effectively load a new new round into something without having to go, ah yeah, I'm going to drop my amulet and then I'm going to pick it up and nope. Don't have to worry about any of that, so
0: that felt okay. like a very, very good way of spending a level one feat. Cool. We will maybe get into then the reload because so far you've said you're going to be a hand to hand, but if there's reloading, we'll we'll come on to that because I'm sure that'll be relevant later on. Absolutely. okay. The main
1: level one class feat I've taken is a incredibly powerful feat. I, um, hate it I have no idea why this is at level one. So I'm looking forward to the discussion about why you're banning this. (laughs) Um, But uh, it is scroll thaumaturgy. All right. So my multidisciplinary study of magic means I know how to activate the magic in scrolls with ease. You can activate scrolls of any magical tradition using your thaumaturge class DC for the scrolls DC, rather than a particular spell DC. So effectively, that means I can as long as I can get get my hands on a scroll for it, I can cast any spell off any spell list and I can upgrade the DC to my Thaumaturge-class
0: DC. Or downgrade the DC is probably the case. Or downgrade, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, basically... If you uh, you found a level 10 spell scroll you can cast it using your class dc rather than whatever the flat dc would be for that scrolls.
1: Yes. So it's probably less to, it's probably less useful for high level stuff than it is low level stuff because I imagine if you oh, you know okay. it's one of the challenges you have with low level items is that they're great up to a point at which point let's say, you know, is a dc 15 escape check for something is great at level 1 and 2. But actually as soon as you're up around level 4 That DC 15 is
0: useless. Oh, now I understand. So if you found a low-level spell where items don't generally level up the DC, they're fixed. What you're saying is if you found a low-level spell, you actually can... The DC, say, for the save, becomes your class DC. Uh, Yeah, you're
1: effectively upcasting using a scroll. It's incredible. It's incredibly powerful is is I can't believe they put all of that into one feet much less a level one feet
0: it's are you sure it's just the activation of the scroll rather than the actual scroll effect
1: yep yep okay. no is it, yeah it, it, it's a really really powerful really' it's, you know i I can't see I'm going to be using it too often for things like uh things like spell uh, offensive spells like attack spells because we've got a you know we've got a sorcerer and we've got a bard. So mm. he's, I, I can't think I am going to be using it too much, but you know, for, for the occasion when, and, and again, this comes from maybe playing a a high level wizard. There are certain scenarios when having access to this specific spell, yes, I might only need it once or twice in a campaign, but oh my god, when that one or two comes up, it's you know, it's a lifesaver. So is being able to being able to do that and do it across any spell list that just
0: seems so so versatile, so so useful for the party. Very cool. And ties into this thaumaturge's thing of being able to ma- n- manipulate stuff that's not necessarily native to them or weaknesses in order to get an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right.
1: Nice. So moving on to uh, the implement. So my first implement will be the amulet, as we touched on. So the yes. amulet basically offers uh, – it's a protective item so it is the reason i've gone for this one is i'm conscious that we are with the exception of, of Kimon, we are probably quite squishy as a mm-hmm. team yep um I, i'm a little bit uh, and you know is we don't have direct access to a I, I know the bard has some very good healing spells but they're not a cleric no Yeah. Is so it is if things do get you know slightly lumpy in a combat is is I think we need ways of of just making sure we don't take too much damage. So the the amulet um offers me at its basic level uh allows me to mitigate damage from the target of my exploit vulnerability. So as we touched on that kind of works like hunt prey, I identify mm. the, the creature or whatever the enemy I'm fighting is, use exploit vulnerability on it,
0: which is basically like then, a recall knowledge check.
1: Yeah. Yeah, essentially ex- exploit vulnerability. It's it's a slightly fancy recall knowledge check, which I am sure we will probably cover the first time we do it yeah. live. It will make more sense to do it then. But I can use this uh, on either myself or a target ally within fifteen feet, and I gain resistance to all damage against that triggering damage equal to two plus my level. Cool. So, and that's just that's just a reaction. I can nice. just use that, you know, once around. So, is is you know, if someone's about to get crit or something like that, right? You know, here you go
0: at a minimum that's resistance 13 to that damage yeah we'll, we'll dig into the actual that because that esoteric law check whatever it's called is quite an important part of the thaumaturge but it's it, yep. definitely one to, to play out during uh, an, a, an encounter rather than than now it'll make much more sense to be far easier to understand i reckon yeah for sure. but i will say i'm glad i read the book this week because i do know what you're talking about even if uh, <laughs> <one else> does. <laughs> all right so amulet is your first implement
1: yes um and then i also get um just worth mentioning even though i know we've covered it i think in i, I forget whose, but I, I think in someone else's um someone else's character is i get the feat dubious knowledge yes so it's uh, that that's a free feat as part of my uh, my background as well so is it, obviously when i do recall knowledge check i'll get two
0: bits of information and one of them's true one of them's false mm. that was matty's character who said uh it's always the first bit that's true so i have <laughs> made a note now you've done that so now it will always be the second bit yeah. uh, and it's okay, gonna to be you. twice per combat so yeah it's gonna be
1: fun <laughs> so yeah moving on to uh to level two. One,
0: one point oh, yeah, you do course. get low
1: light vision yes half elf background so yeah i do okay. have low light vision i don't have access to full dark vision and maybe i'll get a couple of scrolls
0: <laughs> with a nice dc
1: okay second yeah. level of this thaumaturge the second level class feat i've taken is uh talisman esoterica
0: formage feet.
1: Yes, so uh that is uh, that basically allows me to uh, during my daily preparations I can make two talismans with an item level no higher than half my level. Ah. So I can effectively because uh, it rounds up I believe so I can create talismans up to level 6. Talismans are they're a weird thing because when you look at them in the book you go wow these are really really cool these are great and then you look at the price and realise you can use them exactly once Mm -hmm. and go well there's no way I'm spending money on that
0: sure and their one
1: time use is important usually right yeah I think
0: they all all are yeah
1: or you end up with the Final Fantasy Megalixir problem where you basically you've got a wonderful collection of really great talismans that you're too frightened to use because what if I need it more (laughs) later on so yeah. you end up finishing the game with 400 amazing talismans that you never used. Yep. So yeah, is each day during my daily prep I can create two talismans that will they're temporary items. They they lose their magic next next day, but that will basically encourage me to make them to hand them out to people and for those people to make use of them. So it is that again is mm. so, some talismans are pretty good, you mm. know. Is it's, it's some of them are a bit meh. But yeah, for uh, that
0: for that odd time when it's like the one that protects you from a crit or gives you a boost to your fort save, and you know you're going to fight something that's going to attack that, then absolutely, I think that's uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, very
1: very useful, very very useful one. I'm just going to have to you know stick a post it note on the monitor saying Mm. it's you know create and hand out talismans because yeah (laughs) yeah it is a very
0: very easy one to uh, to forget in the daily prep. And that's actually something that Nethys does quite well now is if you go to Talisman it'll actually list all the equipment with the Talisman trait I think it is. Yes, that's one of the few things um one of the few things, things I do, do like about so Neffis when yeah. compared
1: to easy tools is that it it does have that ability to display everything in a in a spreadsheet format that you can then filter and mm. play and with as you I,
0: I went on nethis this week and it has improved substantially from when it, i even last used it so you can make it look a bit nicer there's pop-ups and the search is really cool so uh although i do still very much rate pf2 easy there are some definite benefits here which i really like so the talisman thing is cool Nether's is fantastic,
1: uh, but with all the love in the world, you know, to the guys, who it looks like a 1998 Angel Firesight. It's only missing some automatically streaming MIDI. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but honestly, go and have a little look. Like, now the themes and the feel, you can really uh, customise it. It might not be perfect, but absolutely having two different resources i really like that feat jason i think i mentioned it in one of the other ones where a character can at the start of the daily prep give stuff out to the pcs that may or may not be relevant but if they are relevant really great story beats yeah so
1: it's it's one of those ones as yeah it's it's nice and you know every now and then it will you know it will hopefully come in clutch in a in a key moment in the combat and i can you know claim that i've saved the party again um (laughs)
0: Uh, or in when you die of, you can say it's yeah. not my
1: fault i gave you this yeah, tablet. absolutely yeah yeah there we go yeah when, when we all die i can blame everyone because they didn't use it um right so level two skill feat yeah level two skill feat is i took bargain hunter uh which basically is, uh, i won't go into too much detail on it because i can't see it's one we're going to use a ton but it essentially allows me to earn income during downtime using diplomacy Mm. Uh, is I think I think we sort of said we're, we're not going to go too much into the skills, but just no. for awareness, is uh, diplomacy is kind of the the skill I'm leaning into heaviest with them, right, with okay. Lupin. Is cool. is ultimately he's a trader. You know, he's, he's mm. going to be he, being able to, you know, to talk to people and, and get people on board and, you know,
0: initiate conversations and confidence. That's his thing. And what I will say for this being a three book adventure, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for downtime. Excellent. Yeah. So,
1: actually, that's again, sort of slight peek behind it. Cause it's not something that's really come up all that much in the campaigns we've run. Plaguestone was obviously, we were all very new to the system. Mm-hmm. Um. Extinction Curse is, it's not great for downtime. It is very much a roller coaster ride where you're running from one thing to the other, to the
0: other, to the other. And you're spending a lot of your time in low level settlements where there's not really much point that's true and i think also to counter that slightly extinction curse does you could have spent far more downtime in there but because again we weren't so familiar with the rules and when you're playing once a week you do want to kind of get into it a bit you know you want the story to move on whereas i think with the podcast being a slightly more shorter episode but weekly there's going to be interesting story beats and you guys are far more well equipped now to role play downtime rather than just i want to take a week to do diplomacy for this what skill can i use do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, but i can tell you now downtime will will 100 be a part of this adventure and, and i look forward to, to cool. getting back into that
1: so yeah moving on to uh to level three it's the first general feat mm-hmm. and um it, it's very very boring but is i have taken toughness because ultimately
0: toughness.
1: yeah uh, ultimately I, i'm for a martial. Four. Yeah, I, I'm a martial character. Is I'm gonna need the hit points, <laughs> uh, you know. Is as touched on, I think we are quite squishy as a group. So I think that's uh, that, that's an important one that we make sure we've got access to as much HP as we you possibly can. Don't have can. to
0: explain your toughness. Everyone's tried to, but yeah. it's let's just say you don't want your character to die. We can all yeah. <laughs> agree with that. And a boost to your reflex saves, of course. Um, yes, yeah, as uh, a sort of part of the wider Thaumaturge. touch. Okay,
1: um, okay, so level four. I've taken Breach Defenses, and what that is, is it essentially modifies slash sort of boosts my Exploit Vulnerability skill. So, um, to, to read directly from the text is you can, uh, when you succeed at Exploit Vulnerability, you learn about the highest of the creatures' resistances that can be bypassed. So, to use an example is if I was fighting a werewolf, and mm. that werewolf had, like, resistance 10 to physical damage, but weakness 10 to silver or resistance 10 except silver or whatever is i i would learn that when i succeed at the exploit vulnerability check in addition to that i also get a um because when you do exploit vulnerability you get um you get two benefits probably better we don't cover those here just to avoid too much confusion probably better we cover that once we start using it live but it also effectively this allows me to use exploit vulnerability to make my weapons bypass that resistance regardless so if I was using my sword cane and I identified hey this creature is weak to silver it wouldn't matter if my weapon was silver or not I would still bypass the weapon resistance as or the damage resistance as if it was silver
0: okay I think I understand uh just as a general again probably one for combat but exploit vulnerability is something you already had as a thaumaturge yes and that is going to show you their weaknesses yes and once you've succeeded at that this breached defenses allows you to also learn about the resistances and then Mm -hmm. potentially bypass those resistances yep Exactly. And is that, yeah. Is that just you or your party as well, or can you share that uh, with some feats
1: and stuff? That is that is just me, but is I, I would imagine that there is no reason that I, that I couldn't. You know, is I couldn't. I could tell them, hey, it's weak to silver, but I can't
0: pass the breach defences thing on to someone.
1: No, you, you know, could to tell say, them
0: also that they are resistance to slashing, for example.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Very but I cool. couldn't give them the, the breach defense item where
0: their weapons would also bypass that resistance, regardless N- of whether they were... No, will. but the the knowledge you're learning is something you exactly. can share, unless yep. you've been silenced. So I'm just yep. adding the silence spell. <laughs> 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 okay, level four, that's your class feat. What about your skill yep. feat? Skill feat, I took intimidating glare. Always a always a useful
1: one to have. You know, it is high charisma character. Um, yep. and, and I suspect there will probably be the odd occasion where I'm going to you know have an action sitting around at the end of a turn it's
0: just a useful one to have i think very cool okay so really interesting feat there and i'm sure that will become more prevalent as we play level five Thormatage.
1: Uh, so a level five Thormatage is uh, the answer ancest- ancestry feat first and foremost is um i took a half elf uh, feat here uh, so i took supernatural charm so the elven magic in my blood manifests as a force I can use to become more appealing or alluring. I can cast first level charm as an arcane innate spell once a day. Very cool. Yep. Hopefully one we won't need too much bearing in mind our party is very charisma heavy, but it's always a useful one to have just, just on the off chance. Maybe out of combat it's more of a useful one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Level 5 is a particularly cool level for the Thaumaturge because I get access to my second implement. Ah, so we've got the amulet. Absolutely. And at level 5, I will take the mirror as my second implement. Okay. The mirror is really, really cool. What it essentially lets me do is I can spend an action to project another version of myself onto the battlefield. Right. So it's probably going to be easiest and least confusing if I I read this verbatim. Uh, So you reflect an illusory image of yourself into another unoccupied space within 15 feet that you can see. You are treated as being in both spaces until the start of your next turn. For example, you can attack, seek, and provide flanking even with yourself. Uh, You occupy both spaces and your mirror self mimics your ex- actions exactly but any ac- effects you generate come from only one of your positions. So I could basically swing an attack and both versions of Lupin would swing the attack, but obviously I would only roll one set of dice. It's a- I'm not doubling my actions. It's not that powerful. Wow. GM's nightmare, so more tokens <laughs> on the battlefield. Absolutely. I know how much you enjoy that. Yeah, um, <laughs> That's deliberately why I picked it. Um, Good. What the effective downside of this is that there are two versions of me on the battlefield so is your creatures can also attack that version and i will still take the damage so it's kind Mm. of similar how the summoner works an eidolon yeah so it's yeah so is effectively there are two of me and they share the same you know same health um obviously with area effects like fireball i still only roll once i still only it's, it's so, Okay,
0: yeah, very similar to an Eidolon in that respect. But the flanking with yep. yourself seems like a very cool uh, uh, image. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very, very cool. Very, very useful. And um,
1: even cooler as well is that when the uh, when the mirror self disappears or moves out of its space, yeah. you choose which one is the real one. So what I could do is I, I could effectively use it to teleport 15 feet by is I you know his, i'm standing on one platform I use the mirror teleport to another platform fifteen feet away
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then that version moves and then the old version was on the first platform he just disappears and that
0: new one is the real me there wow okay i uh, I think I understand yeah it sounds very uh, jumper matrix uh, <laughs> yes yep yeah it, it it's it's it sounds one cool, of, one of those ones. We've not sorry that's not that's not <laughs> something we've we've come across before in combat, we've dealt with Eidolons and we've had um, annual companions a little bit. Uh, that one didn't last very long. <laughs> uh, but having additional tokens, which are not just Eidolons, but can also do abilities, which it seems yeah. like it can, is, is a really cool thing. So this is part of the Mirror Implement.
1: Yes, so that, that's the Mirror Implement's sort of whole, whole shtick. It, nice. is it, it lets you use that. It's going to be, again, I'm sort of hoping very, very useful in terms of provide because it is something again is i th- think as a group we've not always been great with it is we, we're getting a lot lot better at it in fairness but it is sort of flanking and, and doing things like that to try and get the ac
0: down yes so is which ties into your when there's a creature three levels higher and his ac seems high my counter to that is you've got to work on getting that ac down rather than just going on your usual while i stroll up and hit yeah, yeah absolutely more, more tactics involved Sounds really cool,
1: Jason. That is it for level five. Sorry, I just had to double check there so there's a lot of text here. On to level six, mm. and um, uh, for the class feat, I have taken Scroll Esoterica. So this one's uh, sort of quite uh, quite simple. Is I get two free scrolls a day. Um, so is is during my daily prep. I can create a single temporary scroll containing a first level spell of any tradition, and then at eighth level, which obviously I am, is I can add a second temporary scroll containing a second level spell. So nothing spectacular, but um, obviously bearing in mind the thaumaturge class DC thing, which is uh,
0: which is very useful. Let's mean which is also effectively a pre- prerequisite for this feat. So the scroll yes. DC things we've talked about it obviously leads to this. Yeah,
1: but there's there's mm. also you know there's some really useful low level spells you know is even at level one a scroll like I don't know air bubble you mm-hmm. know it's something you're never gonna if you're a prepared caster like a wizard you're probably never gonna be running around with that in your you're not gonna prepare that daily unless you knew you mm-hmm. were going into a specific situation but it's a really good spell to have access to when you suddenly get swallowed yeah or you know or something or a like scroll that of knock or something yeah, at second absolutely, level. Yeah, he's, I mean second level you start to get, you know, is things like hideous laughter, which is amazing. It's just basically, <laughs> hey, this enemy doesn't have reactions anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's good against that's good against a fucking level 10 enemy, you know, level You're 20 playing enemy.
0: All of your harrow cards, Jason. <laughs> just yeah. making notes. Hideous <laughs> laughter. Got it. Yeah, no, really cool. And, that, and yeah. it's a nice continuation. And I'd imagine from a character viewpoint. This is a guy who's been trading these items. He's probably picked up the spells, the scrolls. He started dabbling. And as he's got stronger, he's like, oh, but what if I could actually make my own? Or even just a case of, you know, he's
1: rifling through his, his, his items. And goes, There's a scroll here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's just this, you know, he's I love the idea that he's just got this absolute just TARDIS full of, of junk.
0: Yeah. He's like a walking filing cabinet of scrolls. Yeah. Cool. And okay.
1: And then, yeah, the skill feat, it's not, again, not a tremendously exciting one because I've taken Glad Hand. Um, so, first impressions are definitely Lupin's strong point. So, when he meets someone in a casual or social situation, I can immediately attempt a diplomacy check to make an impression rather than needing to converse for a minute.
0: So, it's probably not something we're going to come across mechanically tremendously often. Mm. You say that, but what I'm saying, just to jump in, is that you with Diplomacy, with charisma-led characters, that definitely leads to more diplomatic or charisma-based skills, which are usually diplomacy, intimidation, whatever, making impressions. When you've got a party that's built around some of that stuff, whether you chose to or not, that can lead to the more interesting resolution of a combat as well. Yeah, the ability to make an impression immediately, potentially yeah. during combat, or yeah. something like that, where it's appropriate—that is a really interesting. I think character point that we've not had in the party before.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I think it's it's situational, but is you know it's a it's one that could potentially be useful. I, I think I, I always feel like there's there's a there's a bit of a missed opportunity with the skill feats. In, in terms of pathfinder 2 th- there's a lot of dead wood in there and i think there's a lot of stuff that th- 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 there certainly feels like there's room for more interesting options okay is okay. but he's, i think you know some of that is just he, you know because we've only ever really played adventure paths and some mm. adventure paths are going to lean heavier into some stuff than others and and i just think it's just been a case that maybe maybe the adventure paths we've played so far have been ones that have been less towards skills and maybe more towards
0: feats and combat and things like that so and i would just back that up though again with what i've said before in the past combat is probably the easiest part of pathfinder when you're <laughs> new to the system so uh, playing a very role player uh, a role play heavy scenario such as night of the Grey death where diplomacy and chatting has been a real integral part i think yep. that's a that's something that's going to fall on you guys, and you will find ways to use these feats because you're far more comfortable in those situations.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite I think it's really
0: interesting. I really like that one. I really like that one. Okay, yeah. So on to level seven. That's another big level
1: for the um, for the thormaturge. I'll start with uh, with the general feat. Uh, so I've taken uh, prescient planner, mm-hmm. probably. This specific feat isn't quite as good as what it gives you access to um, the next right. time around, which is Prescient Consumable, which is the really cool one. But um Prescient Planner just basically is I, I can take one minute to remove my backpack and then carefully remove an item I hadn't previously declared. So I can pull it out pull it out of hammer space ah. and uh, I just go, but it must be a piece of adventuring gear it can't be a weapon armor alchemical item potion magic item etc so it's got to be something like a crowbar or yeah, you know something like that a
0: piece like of that. rope that you didn't have or Absol- a yeah flint and steel or a, a telescope that you might need or whatever
1: yeah ex- exactly so it, it's really just cool. it's 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 a it's a useful one is that say the the more cool version of this i think which is the next step up in the feat ladder is prescient consumable which basically lets you do that with potions what level is that (laughs) um (laughs) i want to say it's like level 11 or 13 or something like that i'm not 100% sure to be honest prescient consumable
0: yeah yeah it's It's probably because i took toughness
1: at three that i didn't have access to
0: yeah so when you get another general feat you'll be able to take it
1: and annoyingly for me I didn't because I took something different at 11 but we'll cover that ah, in a we can second always, we can
0: always uh, retcon alright cool um, I really like that so yeah m- what I
1: now get at level 7 is I get implement adept so what that basically means is I've deepened my connection to one of my implements unlocking it's adept power so is I choose between the amulet and the mirror and I basically get the next level of what it can do so obviously the amulet ah. at, ba- at it's basic level I could give, I think it was the resistance, resistance is, my level damage. plus whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, so the adept benefit is it offers continued protection. So when I use it, whoever I use it on, whether that's me or an ally, chooses one type of damage dealt by that attack. So if, for example, it was slashing damage, they can only choose slashing. If it mm-hmm. was slashing and fire, they could choose one or the other, ah. but they gain resistance five against that damage until the start of their next until the start of my next turn. Really cool. So again, that's probably maybe more useful for creatures that are making multiple attacks in a turn, or where we're facing lots of creatures who have similar attacks. Does it's, that you know, party that, member
0: how far away do they have to be from you in order to give that resistance?
1: Uh, I believe it's fifteen feet okay so so potentially if, game, if,
0: yeah far enough for there to be a problem that you are having to try and help with
1: yeah yeah absolutely so I would say sort of quote unquote champion range you know is okay. with the champions reactions and whatever you know he's, he's, it will be just far enough that when we really need it I'll be five feet too far that's the way it normally works well
0: that is down to you for battlefield <laughs> placements and not cursing the game for being 20 feet away <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's a really really useful one,
1: Um, really really useful one to have. I think again, bearing in mind, we're going to want a little bit more resistance to uh, to some of the damage. Very good. Also, uh, I get resolve at this level, so is uh, my proficiency rank for will saves increases, yes. uh, but more interestingly is when I roll a success, I get a critical success yes. on will saves.
0: These are a real 2e thing. I think they do exist in 1e. I, I seem to remember the evasion for the mm. reflex saves and stuff. They are a bit nasty for a GM, but I guess it is yep. just part of, part of it, because... I don't, I, I'm i not looking at the other character sheets now, but if you're all high in will, for example, mm. then when something else comes up and you're all going to be accustomed to it, and that is kind of what I'm seeing in this party. There's mm. some real strengths, but there are definitely some holes. <laughs> yeah. But that is interesting party composition, you know? Yeah, and it's how it's do an you interest- mitigate that, not with your feet, but knowing you've got those holes and then being able to... By consumables or your talismans or whatever it is, Matty spells. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Is I know certainly I've always in
1: pretty much every other group we've run, I've always been the last to pick my class because yeah. I'm not fussy about what I play. I really don't care. So is what I generally do is I'll let the others pick and then go right. Where are our gaps? Mm-hmm. And I'll pick. You know, is that's how I ended up as the, as the monk in that. That's how I ended up as the wizard in night of the Grey Death. Of the cleric, is, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much every character I've played has had, I think, at least a multi-classing cleric. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah. Whereas this time, I, I didn't do that. Is, is I, you know, I put the flag in the ground very early and said, "I'm going to be a Thaumaturge. Yeah, and then it's you know it's up to yeah, the rest yeah. of the group to say, we're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to build around that. I think, yeah, w- what we will probably find is that there will be some combats that will that should be really really difficult, and that we'll absolutely breeze through. And I think there will be other combats that are relatively, you know, that should be relatively routine that are going to give us some real problems, especially, you know, something that is maybe looking at what we've got. Something, something that you need to put a lot of magic, like offensive magic into, I could see that giving us
0: some problems. We'll wait till the end of your... <laughs> character build but i have some thoughts on that as well so uh boost your will saves at level seven and weapon specialization we won't go into that now but um i'm sure that's relevant for your your weapon of choice
1: so yeah moving on level eight level eight yeah uh this is uh, relatively standard Uh, so it's class feat and skill feat um so is for the class feat i have taken cursed effigy so this is um so my last, uh, this is essentially a bonus, not a bonus because I still have to spend an action for it, but it's something I can do after a successful attack. So as I've la- I've landed a successful strike against the target, strike dealt physical damage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, after that attack, I can spend an action to grab a bit of bloods, you know, cut some hair or grab a chunk of the creature, whatever so it esoterica. is. a Yes, esoterica. absolutely. Yeah. And I, I effectively I make a mini voodoo doll out of it. Oh, um, cool. And that makes it harder for that creature to resist my ability. So, as long as I'm, as long as I have that creature with exploited vulnerability, it takes a minus two status penalties to its saving throws against thaumaturge abilities or items that use my thaumaturge class DC. So, what I'm thinking there is that dovetails very, very nicely with my ability to use the thaumaturge class DC with scrolls. Mm. So is right, okay? I'm gonna maybe get in get into you know get into combat cut a chunk off this very very nasty creature that's maybe you know got very very good saving throws cut a chunk off it put that in the voodoo doll and now i can not only use my hopefully my thaumaturge class dc which will hopefully be higher than whatever the dc was anyway
0: they're also taking a pretty significant penalty to it and if you're pulling a scroll out that you've got handy one of your ones you've made for the day etc it all stacks. Exactly. Love it. Yeah, really love it. And I hope to see some cool descriptions of when you're grabbing this piece of blood, cut <laughs> hair, or other piece of the creature's yeah. body. That could be fun <laughs> against a bloody um, ooze or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're <laughs> just, just grabbing a melon baller and just scooping something out of it. <laughs> cool. So uh, uh,
1: that was Cursed Effigy. Yes. Uh, and then for the skill feat, I've taken a Shameless Request. So. Uh, Basically, is this sort of ties into, again, this very bold, sort of brazen merchant character that um, that Lupin is. Uh, I can downplay the consequences or outrageousness of my requests using sheer brazenness and charm. So when I request something, I reduce the DC or any DC increases of making an outrageous request by two. And if I roll a critical failure, I get a failure (laughs) instead. So... What that means is, I, c- I can never. I-, I believe if you really badly fail a request, you can basically cause someone's attitude towards you to change negatively. Okay. So, is is what this will effectively do? Is it lowers the risk of making those ridiculous requests. It allows mm. me, I suppose, a little bit to go to go crit fishing for with with diplomacy almost. Hey, hey you know, hey, Mister Shopkeeper, you really, really, really do want to give me that magic item at a fifty percent discount, don't you? Wink, wink, and go from there. So,
0: request is not a feat that we have used ever. No, not really. Think, but noted. I really like the idea of it. Uh, The request action is a diplomacy skill action. You make a request, and you base it based on the current attitude. And what this is doing is allowing you to make far more outrageous requests, but without some of the penalties Mm. and with the bonus to the check itself. Yeah, basically, nice. All right, level nine. I've got um, I can, I can smell something for level nine. <laughs> What's happening at level nine? Jason? Is it some Peter and Gunpowder by any chance? Mm, it <laughs> is, and it's the smell of multi class. It
1: is. Um, the I, I hadn't intended on on multi classing Lupin is, um, and to be honest, I still don't massively intend on doing it. Um, basically. Uh, Whatever you is, say we'll, here
0: is now written down in stone and copy checked. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, is at, at level nine, uh, you get an ancestry feat, and I had a look through the options that were there, and there was nothing. Just there was nothing I was particularly excited about. It's it's a bit of a bit of a blank spot for both sort of elf and human. So I ended up taking the human feat, multi talented, which mm-hmm. to cut a
0: long story short, gives you a free dedication feat. Yes, we've got this with. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but Kimones taking this at a level mm-hmm. to give him a third multi-class into the Sorcerer bloodline. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: So yeah, he's. I had a look at the various um, various classes that were available, and there wasn't anything again, sort of, that I felt I was going to get a tremendous amount of value out of, except I thought oh, Gunslinger looks interesting. One because <laughs> I have I have the feat that lets me you know reload. Uh, with the with the freehand and mm-hmm. looking at it as i funny was a little you bit took
0: that at level one when you didn't have anything very funny to reload. Yeah.
1: yeah i was using a crossbow <laughs> up till then okay um, so yeah is i sort of looking at the the class makeup we have is as i was a little bit concerned about our ability to do damage at range yeah uh, and also just is as well is, is just having a reliable having a reliable other other option for a weapon is Lupin's main weapon. I don't think I'd actually cover this up to now. Is a sword cane.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: uh, so he's again nice concealable, concealable weapon. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, mechanically, it does a reasonable amount of damage. Sure. Um, but from uh, yeah fr- from the gunslinger point of view, I've taken a dueling pistol. So is um, the idea is is that Lupin is. He, he's heavily armed, but he might not appear so at first glance. A very, very key key aspect of a merchant. You, you want to have the weapons
0: there, but you, you know you don't want them showing because you might scare away the customers. Well, yeah, I'd imagine seeing a gun. Now, look, obviously, probably the most famous gunslinger is uh, Baron from mm-hmm. GCP. Obviously, That was yeah. a 1E gunslinger. He <laughs> yeah. managed to survive, what, 500 episodes, whatever it was. Something like that was crazy, yeah troy not the biggest fan i have not (laughs) dug into gunslingers it is an uncommon class uh, which i'm okay with Um, it's Mm. it's a multi-class had you wanted to do this at the start then we'd have had a conversation Mm. so i don't know very much about it and what i will say is as long as you've got your shit down i don't Mm. almost want to know that much about that part and i think as long as mechanically you understand how it works Mm. and it makes sense and i genuinely think it makes sense for a travelling yeah. merchant who's been trading goods that gets this fucking gun. I think yeah. that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it's and you know, is realistically um I, I'm not intending and obviously, you know, plans can always change depending on you know, we could lose two characters in the first session and have a completely different party makeup by the time, you know, we get no. into <laughs> no, session two. No, but no, uh, no. have a completely different <laughs> group by that point. <laughs>
0: Oh, but, don't uh, tempt fate. Well, literally, don't yeah. tempt fate. You can't tempt fate.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, is, is my, my plan was this was really very much a case of, look, I've got to take something. Gunslinger seems kind of cool and it gives me access to an, a cool
0: weapon. I'm just cool. going to take this. And so you yeah, get to choose a gunslinger's way, which is a bit like your implement. So
1: Yes. Yeah, so he's, uh, again, with a dedication, you don't really get... It's really just a... You have to pick one at this point. Sure. But you don't actually get any benefit from it until you take additional feats, which I'm not really planning. Especially I'm not going to be wasting high-level feats on taking low-level gunslinger feats. It just okay. doesn't make sense. More interestingly at level nine is I get, get the ability to intensify vulnerability, this ties into your exploit vulnerability which is yes so um once around uh one when, when i'm already benefiting from exploit vulnerability i can see the subject haven't used it this round already i can basically wave my amulet or mirror or whatever it is at uh, at the creature and i can cause whatever vulnerability it's suffering from i can basically magnify it mm-hmm it's, do you want to go into what the amulets and mirrors are at this point, or do you want to just deal with
0: them as and when uh, they come up? I would say, yeah, let's leave those <laughs> for now. It's uh, yep. what, As a general kind of consensus of what it is, it boosts your existing ability to find the weaknesses of a creature, and as a result will let you, what, cause more damage for longer? Do so- or no, something, do something,
1: like something that. cool. So is I, okay. I will pick the mirrors one just just to illustrate, just very, very quickly. So is... Um, what i essentially do is is i can spend an action if i'm or if i've got the mirror in my hand and i've yes. already exploited vulnerability or that target is already you know is, is already vulnerable mm-hmm. to me um i can spend an action to become concealed to the target of my exploit vulnerability yes so is that then you know we know concealed is a very very useful very very useful thing basically 20% chance. Yes. So would as I that can apply use the to your if your mirror was out as well? Would it apply to both of you? It um, doesn't say, but is one of these wonderful things that Pathfinder is very, very good at. Lots and lots of rules, lots and lots of edge cases that it doesn't quite cover. Well, we'll um, come. Yeah, we'll come into that. But ultimately, it doesn't say, but is I it would I an would, it would. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, mechanically, for the sake of, of moving moving to this, yeah, it just it gives me an extra vulnerability. Oh, sorry, an extra ability with with my implements
0: cool so for the mirror it's concealment and for the amulet it's uh for the amulet
1: it's uh let me have a look here sorry uh, yeah oh, so it's the I gain a plus two status yeah. bonus to AC and saves which is really good yeah that's okay. effectively the equivalent of raising a shield
0: with the amulet yeah. so, so yeah. that's that's really powerful or heightened inspired courage or whatever that's really good yeah which we know that uh, our bard is not inspiring courage so much. So. <laughs> Kurt Cabana. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, K- <laughs> Kurt Cabana. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Right. There's two levels left. Level two ten. levels left.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, so at level 10, it's another class feat skill feat. Uh, so the class feat I've taken is, uh, is a biggie. This one is share weakness. Mm-hmm. So as I'm exploiting a creature's vulnerability using mortal weakness. Now, we've not really covered mortal weakness yet and um, no. it's one of the two things you get as a as a result of exploit vulnerability um ah, okay so mortal weakness
0: is sorry i'm scrolling to find it here because i've got a ton yeah of stuff this is up here. Uh, just while you're looking this is all tied to this exploit vulnerability which is he uh, Jason gets at first level. It's a one-action. It's the recall knowledge check, which is not recall knowledge. It's using his esoteric law check. And depending on whether he succeeds or fails, there's different things to find the weaknesses, resistances that we've already talked about. But there is another part of it, which is mortal weakness and personal antithesis. And yes. I believe this one ties into the mortal weakness.
1: Yeah. So to very quickly cover the mortal weakness, it basically... Um, uh, mortal weakness activates the highest weakness you discovered with it exploit vulnerability. So is if, for example, you know we, we came across a creature that was you know had weakness ten to silver mm-hmm. is I basically I identify that, and my weapon effectively automatically does that damage. So that is mortal weakness in a nutshell. Um, what share weakness lets me do? Is it? I, I've identified the weakness, the mortal weakness, and I can grant it to an ally. Ah. So, is, yeah. So th- this is now is I, I will use. Um, is it Heinrich Kamoun's character? Wilhelm. Sorry, hein- Wilhelm. I knew it was a German name. <laughs> uh, it's Heinrich now. He, he's forever Heinrich. <laughs> um, so yeah, he is. Lupin can basically go. Yep. Yeah, I a I know this creature is weak to silver, and even though my weapon isn't silver. Is I will use mortal
0: weakness to make it that way. Mm-hmm. I can now give that to Wilhelm as well. So this ties into what we said right at the start: is when you've identified these weaknesses or resistances, there are feats <laughs> coming up that allow you to share that ability with the other party members. Yeah, absolutely, really so, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very cool way of
1: boosting the damage, potentially quite significantly. You know, if, if you think of you know, is some creatures which have you know a, a big old stack of resistances and whatnot, but one really really big glowing weakness. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's going to make those fights a lot less painful,
0: especially maybe against golems, which I know you're a big. Fan we won't
1: of. be fighting any golems in this campaign. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, I hate say golems. No more.
1: Uh, hate them. Hate them. Hate them. Yes.
0: Skill um, feet.
1: Yes, so skill feat, um, I've taken Disturbing Knowledge so again, is, I feel, obviously looping the amount of research he'll have done into magical items etc, etc, etc he'll be very well versed in occultism, so basically this allows him to um, attempt an occultism check and uh, to compare the results of the will DC of enemies within within sorry, an enemy within 30 feet and essentially to try and make them frightened okay, so, it's, so it's almost a intimidation check but with um but using occultism
0: instead of uh, intimidation and once you hit legendary in occultism you can do it with any number of enemies within 30 feet absolutely yeah and if he so, lives um, that long then <laughs> that will be useful okay cool that's really good and that leads us to the final starting point of stolen yes. fate, level eleven.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, is uh, level eleven is um, another general feat, and instead of taking uh, prescient consumable, I decided <laughs> to take incredible investiture. That basically is very very simple mechanically. It lets me invest more magic items. I can now invest ten. Uh, sorry, I can now invest twelve instead of ten. Hmm. So cool. I think you know, bearing in mind Lupin's background and the fact that I probably will be digging quite heavily into into various magic items, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's probably a good idea to have, you know, ha- have access to as many as I possibly can.
0: Possibly a deck of incredibly powerful artifact cards that have abilities, etc. Then, yeah, yeah I yeah, imagine some th- that's... Something so, like yeah. that, yeah. Just on the off chance that happens. Cool. <laughs> All right, incredible yep. investiture. What else happens at 11? Um,
1: At, at 11, I get the... Um, Second, uh, sorry, I get the adept benefit of my second implement. Ah, uh, so, so this is the uh,
0: upgrade you took
1: amulet before? Yes. Yep, so this one now is mirror, so I get the upgrade to mirror. This one, uh, essentially, when my mirror self is damaged, or basically, so either one of them, I can choose which one of these this applies to, uh, that version explodes into mirror shards. Hmm what it essentially does is uh, enemy attacks, deals damage. I can say, right, I'm triggering, I'm triggering mirror's reflection. And, uh, that, that reflection explodes, deals slashing damage to all creatures in a five foot emanation around where that, that version of me was. The damage is relatively low. It's two plus half my level. Um, okay. or the damage to trigger, tank, whichever is lower, but it's, you know, it's, very useful if you know you've got a big group of enemies all around you, and you want to get you know decent amount of damage into all of
0: them at once. You send your mirror in; it gets yeah, it gets hit, it explodes, it deals yeah. yeah. And it can also hurt your allies as well. Likely. Presumably,
1: yes, but you know, is I'm not going to be within five feet of my allies. Why would I be within five feet of my allies? Your mirror
0: might be. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, all right. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's what a looping malice looks like at level eleven. Wow, what a character! Thaumaturge <laughs> sounds like a really cool class.
1: It's it's a really really interesting class, um, and it is a lot more simple than we've probably made it sound here. Um, <laughs> it, it's one of those ones when you when you do the initial reading, it looks really really complicated, but actually once you once you get your head around it, it is very very simple. It's just it's essentially just a, a martial character with a bit of range over the hunt prey and then also mm-hmm. with a few cool items on top
0: but rather than leading with say strength to get the the numbers there it's relying mm-hmm. on the ability to use this uh, exploit vulnerability with the esoteric lore to find the weaknesses find the resistances and manipulate those so where maybe you don't have the numbers on your stats you're getting it in other ways uh,
1: yeah absolutely is, is my damage is not coming from to compare to a fighter or something like that is, is my damage is not coming from rolling d10s rolling d12s things like that is, is i'm not doing that stuff and i'm not doing like a ranger or a monk would whereas i'm doing four or five attacks a turn and dealing damage that way is i'm dealing maybe one or two attacks a turn but those those attacks are are creating and exploiting Hey. weaknesses and vulnerabilities, <laughs> and getting the getting the additional damage that way.
0: And quick question: With regards to your implements, can you have one in each hand? Would that be possible? Um, I mean, it doesn't say that you can't. That I'm aware of in my reading
1: is, I don't know how you deal damage with that short of doing something like a goblin that had a bite
0: attack or something like that but what well you more can you do... do the resistance thing give it to an ally with your feet and then put your mirror up so that that's in the in the fray rather than you haha so what you can do is you can um you have a
1: let me see if i can find the exact wording uh but you you essentially get a free action to swap your implements to be able to use it so what Ah. it means is i don't have to have my amulet out to be able to use that reaction but you have to have the mirror out uh yes but again is i can obviously i can just freely swap before i use the mirrors um, before i use the mirrors one action so to activate the mirror costs me an action so as the swap to it is considered a free action prior to that if you had no out though
0: who knows i would quick i need to check that i would imagine i'd have to draw it but i would need to check that so thank you jason there is one little nugget i would like to leave you with we have previously played a lot of classes over a lot of hours (laughs) in pathfinder (laughs) 2e and let's say extinction curse for example one of the most overpowered feats in the game is battle medicine which i think many people would would agree not a single character has battle medicine <laughs> in their arsenal. So I think it's going to be interesting because you guys have a lot of different ways to manipulate the battlefield, manipulate enemies, and manipulate yourselves. But if a character goes down... Ooh, we have to buy some potions, I think. Um, I'm just
1: throwing yeah. it out there. Well, it's uh, yeah. That, that's an interesting one. Is is I assume, I assume someone is trained in medicine.
0: That is an assumption we will have to leave for another time, and that is the perfect place to do so. Are
1: oh, you trained in uh, who was, medicine? Who was the
0: last? To, who was the last to put their character in? Because I'm going to be having words. <laughs> Lu, is Lupin trained in medicine? He's not. No. Interesting on that note jason thank you for your time this evening i cannot wait to put loop in along with our other pcs and i'm thinking we might do a little pre-game chat that we might record before we do the actual first episode but thank (laughs) you for your time tonight sounds like a really cool character and we'll see you for episode one of stolen fate thank you Mm. goodbye bye